Welcome to the Mountain Church Podcast, where we believe in loving Jesus and loving people. Let's tune in to Pastor Samuel Goulet as he shares on our series, Jesus. You guys excited? Come on. To think about this, and I drive by this mountain all the time, and I think that, wow, wow, God, we get the opportunity to partner with heaven to build, to build on a mountain, to claim a mountain. One of the ideas I have and I'd like to rally community to is uh, this video to, to, to run up this mountain and plant, plant a, a flag of this community and this church on the top of the mountain. And I know that there's, a, there's actually Levi planted this, uh, uh, did in concrete and put, right, the pole and the American flag on the top of the uh, on top of this mountain here, Prayer Mountain, and uh, so I just see this, this vision in my head of a video of us moving to the mountain, running up the thing, and planting a flag. You know what I mean? Come on, in our spirits, we take the mountain before we ever break ground. In our hearts, in our minds, we take the mountain before we ever break ground. But why is this important? Why is this important that we build greatly? Because if we do things as a community that are beyond us individually, then we get to show what is the true glory of God. Ephesians 4 is really, really clear that us together in unity, all of our multiplicity and diversity of gifts actually shows who God is much more accurately than one or two talented people. And one or two gifted people see the gift of the many, the cooperation and the partnership and the unity of the many prove what is the very fabric of Jesus. See, even Jesus didn't come on his own accord and his own will. He came on the will of the Father. So when Jesus came, he wasn't like, yo, I'm amazing. I'm both God and I'm man, and this is incredible, right? He's like, no, 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 no. What you see here, you only see what a person is doing that is reflecting Father in heaven. So we're going to read that scripture right now because it's in John 4, uh, John 5, excuse me, 19 through 20. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. What I love about Jesus is right away he shows that his entire source of power and authority is actually one that's based in humility. That's one that's based in meekness. Jesus literally says with his words, who is our Savior, who's the one who died, who's the Son of God, says with his words, see my authority, my power comes from my reflection of Father in heaven. There couldn't be a more powerful statement of humility and meekness than to say, listen, all of what you see here, I don't represent me, I represent Father in heaven. And the same could be said of this community. We don't represent us, we don't. We represent something in heaven. We represent something in heaven that says, my mountain, I'm going to, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but those with clean hands and a pure heart. See, this mountain of God is not something a man came up with, it's something that was established in word. That his name would be above every other name and that the mountain of God is powerful. It doesn't just stand for a physical inanimate object. It stands for a concept, a culture, a people group that stands with character and with attitude and with power and with authority. See, it speaks more to who we are as a people than a building or than an actual mountain, which isn't really a mountain. It's probably more like a hill, right? See, it speaks more to who we are as a people. See, we are a people that are powerful in moving mountains. See, a man that has faith in his heart can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. 
See, what's more important for us is us to become aware that this lifestyle of Jesus requires us to walk by faith. It requires us to walk in a way that challenges every ounce of fear in our life. But we can't do this on our own strength. See, this is what Jesus was pointing at. He's like, I don't do it on my own strength. What you see here, I can't do anything of myself. But I do it of my Father in heaven. So what we see in our own life is that our strength, our gifts, aren't going to be the key to intimacy with Jesus. Our strengths, our, our strengths and our gifts can actually be some of the greatest deterrents or blocks to us walking with Jesus. See, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, which means that you get to keep your gifts from God even if you're not that great of a person. You see gifted people walk around all the time that aren't righteous. And they're carrying these gifts of God and they're operating in them, but they don't have righteousness. They don't walk by righteousness because you could be gifted and you could be not righteous at all. You could be absolutely wicked and still have gifts of God that operate inside of you. Because you get to keep the gifts from when you were born and they don't go away. So the key to intimacy or walking with God is humility. It's not giftedness. Humility says, I yield to you. See, I surrender to you. I recognize what is my strengths. I recognize what is, what is my gift mix. But I say, I'm going to walk with you by walking in those things which I'm weak in. By walking in those things which I am terrified of. Which I have great fear and trembling over. And I'm going to fear God more than I fear man. See, this is the key to our reality. Is It's not pursuing God by going like, Woo, I found my gifts. I found my gift test. I did a gift test. I did a personality test. I figured out what I'm great at. I'm going to stick to that. No, that's living on your own strength. Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. So in order for me to walk by the power and the might and the strength of the Lord, I need to decline my own and walk in His. This is what it means to pick up my cross every single day and walk with Jesus. This is what it means to live my life through him and to say, whatever gain I had, I count it loss. And I learned to love loss because it means that I'm operating in this resurrection power of Jesus. Less of me, praise God. Hallelujah. More of Jesus because I recognize that I'm pretty gifted. But I recognize that my gifts only lead to pride. Because when you can operate on your own strength then you become self-sufficient. And pride is the exaltation and the realization and affirmation of self. Humility is the realization and the recognition and the conviction to live by somebody else. See, anytime you're looking to have a self-help book, you're probably looking in the wrong direction. Probably start needing to read self-die books. Self-bury. Bury myself in the ground so that I could be alive in Christ. See, this thing isn't about figuring out how we could become more powerful, how we could become more strong in who we are, how we could become more influential and things like that. Because then everyone's flexing. You ever been to the gym? You know why I stopped going to gyms? Except for the fact that I got kids and I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I literally don't know what happened. Actually, that's where my wife and kids are there at home because uh, Brightly got sick and then just infected the whole house. So they're at home and they are quarantined because I didn't want to infect this whole community. But Brightly, so sweet girl, she just woke up this morning and her eyes were closed shut with 
eye boogers, and then she's so dried out, she's bleeding. It was just, it looked a devastating picture in the crib. Oh my goodness, my poor baby. So anyways, uh, I don't know what happened, but when kids came, it was like uh, you forgot about all the things you used to do. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys got kids out there? Come on. And if, for those of you who don't have kids, you might have already raised them and are done. But it's amazing. It's incredible the way kids, Josh, the kids are just, they're this, they're this glorious thing because they're like, oh, you had hobbies? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you had free time? Ha <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, so my wife and I, we, we finally got out to go on a date last night, and it was, it was really amazing. It was awesome to go out on a date. Uh, and we actually had a little bit of energy left. A lot of times those dates end up being like, do you just want to take a nap <laughs> together? Like, I'm tired. <laughs> and so we, we actually ended up getting a good day, good connection point. But it's amazing. The reality is for us that as we journey together, we realize that our sources of strength, our sources of gift mix, these aren't the things that are going to lead us to breakthrough. These are the things that are going to keep us in the same place. Because you don't really need to do much with your gifts and strengths. They're already gifts and strengths. And they, they, they almost trick you to believing you're godly because the gifts of God are without repentance. So you get to keep them even if you're not doing well. But so they trick you, right? So you're like, I'm operating in all these amazing things. And your life is just like not breaking through. And you're not having transformation. You're not renewing your mind. And it's because it's tricking you. You're living on that one little piece of God that you get to keep. And you're not exploring the rest of who God is. It's why it's so important for us to go, yeah, I register. And I'm going to let that gift be a gift to community. But I'm going to realize that for me and the progression of my transformation, I can't live on that. I can't live on the sustenance of that strength. I got to go. I'm going to challenge my fear. So we're going to read a story. It's a story that I'm sure you have read. It's one of my favorites. We're going to read it. It's about the Israelites at the threshold when they sent the spies uh, to, to scout the promised land. And it's a pretty powerful image of what it looks like to live with, by humility. So let's read it. And it's going to be a few of the scriptures, not all of them, because it's a really long story. You can read it later on your own. So Numbers 13, 27, and then there's going to be random scriptures throughout, I'll read. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Hey, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, you know, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are able to overcome it. And then they went on to say, and then they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, and this is where it gets really important, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And then there's another story that really runs parallel for me to this kind of concept, and it's about Saul. And uh, this is what Samuel said about Saul. He said, hey, so Samuel said, when you were like little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And then later on, Saul went on to say, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. And this is why he did it. This is where it gets really important. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. 
This is why it's important for us to walk with humility and meekness unto God. Because the areas that we want to be victorious in, they will test us. And our trials will test us in our place of weakness. And the only way that we can make it through and overcome is if we surrender those places of weaknesses to God. Because those places will always pivot on the acceptance and or the rejection and or the criticism of people. Look at both of these situations. The Israelites at the foot of the promised land. They looked at the greatness of the others around them and felt insignificant, insecure, and weak. And they chose to go by that fear and let it define their behavior. Saul did something very similar. He was supposed to wait to make a sacrifice, but didn't because he feared the people. How many of us have stepped out of meekness and humility or couldn't find it because of our fear of people, our fear of the greatness of those around us? We disqualify ourselves or we were afraid of rejection so we said you know what I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing and so then you couldn't be that light on the hill you couldn't be the salt of the earth because you didn't like your seasoning as salt and so you changed yourself to pepper or paprika is that a is it a spice yeah I never know these spices I don't know anything about them at all I'm the worst chef ever I can make like three things hot dogs eggs and quesadillas that's it that's all I can make Yep, that's all I can make. I thought about it real quick, and I can only make those three things pretty much. And so uh, the, the reality is for us, though, is that we find ourselves in situations where we're walking out of our desert seasons where we're only able to get enough and not in surplus and in plenty. And then we find that we're, able, we're looking around, and there's tons of great people around us, and all of a sudden insignificance gets to kick in. Or we begin to want to qualify ourselves based on our strength alone. And so we look at the strength of others around us, and it's greater. We're like, well, I don't belong. Look at their strength. Look how strong they are. Look how strong these pastors or leaders are. Look how strong these Christians are. And we start pointing to other strengths and taking it as uh, disqualification merit. Hey, I'm disqualified because I see how great they are. I'm disqualified because I see how great they are. So the difference between somebody who's prideful and somebody who's humble is the prideful person disqualifies themselves for their lack, and the humble person feels qualified because of their lack. When you assess lack, you should be excited at the opportunity to see God pour something out into your life, because you need him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you wonder why the poor in spirit, the meek, the hungry, and the thirsty are what are in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes? Do you wonder why these things are that? They're not the powerful. It doesn't say blessed are the powerful, blessed are the strong and the mighty. It says blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry and the thirsty. Because when you knock, the doors open. When you seek, you will find. And when you ask, you will receive. The only thing that needs to change is your desire for God. And desire for God comes when you register lack. Comes when you live in your place of weakness. It comes when you live in your place that says, I'm not capable here. I am not capable here, so I need you to fill me, God. I need you to pour out your spirit and transform me. I am 100% dependent on you transforming and you changing me. If you don't change me and transform me, I will fail in this situation. Because I have no natural merit or gift mix or strength in this place. So I need you to fill me. I need you to transform me. I need you to make me look like you, God. I want to look at your face and I want you to transform me, God. It's this prayer that is the prayer of faith. 
It's this prayer that is the prayer of humility and meekness. See, I'm going to read the definition of humility and meekness because I thought they're powerful. And I don't like reading definitions because it's a very sermony thing to do. But I'm going to do it anyways. Humble, having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Meek, quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on submissive. Look at this. The meek shall inherit the earth. That's like a conundrum. That's an enigma. That's a puzzle. That doesn't make sense. How do the, wait, the meek shall inherit the earth, which means the quiet, the gentle, and easily imposed on and submissive shall inherit the earth. So wait a second. You're telling me that that means that that that's like the non-powerful. That's the non-wealthy. It is the reality of the kingdom of God that says when you submit, you receive great. It's the reality of heaven. Not to think of yourself as little. That's not humility and meekness. That's insecurity. See, Saul and the Israelites, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. See, so don't tell me it's humility or meekness if you're like, woe is me. I'm not great. I can't do that. That's not meekness and humility. That's not meekness and humility. That's false humility. That's insecurity. You know what meekness and humility is? I can't do that on my own strength, but I believe that God will do it in me. It, it is a confession of your inability, but a confession of his ability. That's meekness and humility before God. Meekness isn't just being imposed on by other people. It's being imposed on by God. It's easily submissive to God. It's, quickly, it's quick to surrender to God. It's quick to say, listen, God is my king. God is my salvation. God is my authority. So when I walk into the room, I'm not submitting to another person's agenda or attitude or mindset. I'm submitting to Jesus's. Which means that I act perfectly in the room. I wash feet. I encourage people. I love on them. I raise them up to higher places and higher levels. We all raise to higher levels. We cover each other's weaknesses because we're all being driven by Jesus. See, this culture of Jesus is a very real thing. But we've got to be aware that we take things from where we were and we try and let it take us into our future. But it's just not going to happen. The Israelites were operating under Egypt and desert mindsets, and it couldn't get them into the, the promised land. I'm telling you this right now. The things you learned from God are the things you grew in in God. They won't get you to your next season. It's the next thing that God is giving you. It's the next impartation. It's the next breakthrough. And you got to have faith to find it. you got to have faith to believe in it. You can't live and go into your future based on yesterday's bread and manna. you got to receive manna the next morning again. Jesus, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you doing? You know it's hard to stay meek and humble. You know, the more you receive from God, it can be really hard because you start to look really cool. You do. You start to clean up. You're no longer like broken like you used to be broken. You, you got some mindsets that you were able to fix. You're maybe not on drugs anymore or you're not into pornography anymore. So all of a sudden when God does some breakthrough and freedom in you and it gets you out of Egypt, you can start kind of feeling like you're hotty toddy. You're like, hey, look at me. I'm out of Egypt. And you're like, wait a second, we don't have any food? Time out what? Talking about what? Why do you think that there's like a, that, that lack is so important because it teaches you to depend on Father? See, you get out of a place of freedom, you get salvation, and then God wants to teach you His faithfulness. Which means every single morning you wake up and you go, God, I receive and I need you today. 
Because I was something cool yesterday. I saw you do incredible things yesterday. But today, more God, more God, more God, more God, more God, more. Do more in me today because I am not satisfied with yesterday. I need more today, God. I want more from you, Jesus. Because I want to see cloud by day, fire by night. And I want to see manna provide for me every single day. I'm not going to fear lack. Fear is just an, a lack is just an opportunity for me to grow. Lack is an opportunity for me to grow. Think about the Israelites. 83% of the people looked and defined what they should do based on their lack. 10 out of 12 spies were like, yo, this ain't a good idea. They're big. They got all kinds of resources, milk, honey. They got all this crazy stuff. And they looked at all of this surplus and they let it intimidate their lack. When God calls you to a crazy, cool surplus, he's challenging your poverty mentality. He's challenging your orphan mindset. He's challenging your place of identity that says, oh, if only, oh, man. And just it, he's saying, look, I, this is who you were. You were a slave in Egypt. You were a person without. You were a person that lacked surplus. But I'm calling you to this place. I'm calling you to a place of great resource. But guess what? It's going to take great faith. Because you're no more capable than you were when I took you out of Egypt. You're no more capable. Your resources, your collection, you're no more capable than when I took you out of Egypt to get the promised land, but you're only capable of getting the promised land because I called you to it. That's the only reason. You're not capable. Your merit, your worth, your value, your strength is not capable of acquiring your promise. The only thing that gets you to get your promise is humility and meekness, trusting that God will take it and deliver it to you. This is the reality this is the reality that wherever fear resides, it is a place that you have to root out because it is absolutely challenging your ability to humble yourself, to submit. That's what's crazy about fear is it disqualifies your ability to stay in a place of humility. So we've got to walk away from our traditional notion of what humility is. Humility doesn't mean that you're just not that arrogant guy that's walking around saying how great he is. That's not what humility is. The antithesis to the arrogant guy is not humility. Humility is being 100% dependent on Jesus. That's humility. Meekness is being 100% submissive and yielded to who Holy Spirit is. So when, whatever room you walk in, this is what it could look like on your daily life. Whatever room you walk in, say, Jesus, what are you doing in here? What are you doing in here, Jesus? And when you start to get things, watch what happens. At first, you're going to be terrified. You're going to be like, whoa, time out. I asked you, but then you told me something, and now it's going to make me step out. And then you're going to have to wrap your head around what happens when you step out for Jesus, and what happens if they reject you? You're going to have to start asking those questions and be like, whoa, dude, that was terrifying. I got a word for somebody, but that's extremely terrifying. That's crazy. And then you got to ask yourself, God, what are you doing in this place? And then you got to be faithful to just jump in and do it. And there's wisdom on it, of course, so you don't just start speaking out in tongues in the middle of a room, right? You know, like a business meeting. You're like, no, 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 no. Let's say the Lord. You will give me this deal. That's not the reality of our life. Our life is that we come in. We come in like salt. We come in with good news. We don't come in like a bunch of weirdos shaking and twitching and stuff. Like, if you get encountered by Jesus at the altar and in church and you get, you like manifest like a physical thing, that's cool, whatever, man. That's awesome. But like when you're in the world... You know what I mean? you got to be all things to all people. 
Which means you carry a spirit of excellence. You carry a mindset that's like, I'm wise. I am gentle. I am crafty like a serpent, but I am gentle like a dove. So I'm going to come in here and I'm going to have wisdom. But this doesn't mean that you're like letting fear stop you from expressing who Jesus is. This doesn't mean that you're letting fear mute you. This is the reality of who Jesus is, that he called you to incredible impact. But it means that you're going to have to actually step out into the light. You know what I mean? You're going to have to actually step out into that place of impact. And, and that disqualification stuff, man, it's got to stop. It's got to stop, man. It's got to stop because we disqualify ourselves and we don't even realize it's not humility. It's actually saying, Jesus, I don't believe that you are who you say you are in me. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is to me who he is to you. There is no power or authority difference from one believer to the other. There is only the conviction that the individual carries as to whether there's a difference of power and authority that comes from Jesus. See, there is no junior Holy Spirit. When we pray and we connect with you and you receive Jesus into your life and we pray and we baptize you in the Spirit of God, that means that the Spirit of God, the one who created and authored who you were when you were in your mother's womb, who authored and what it made it look like in this world, in this galaxy, who created the heavens and the earth, that, that entity lives inside of you. That God lives inside of you now, which means you have full access. You have full access you don't have access that's based on whether you sin or don't sin. That is not real. You know, we grew up with this punishment system, uh, right? So like I do with my kids too, right? So there's consequences. We all know this. Consequences to bad behavior. Parents in this room, you all know you, you give consequences to your kids so you can teach them what's right and wrong. This is all good. So sometimes we think about God in the same manner. That when we mess up, we get authority that's removed from us. We get opportunity that's removed from us. And we all of a sudden start thinking this thing like, you know, when, like your parents would get disappointed, right? And then it would like, it take some time for it to get better. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like when you did something real bad and your parents are like, I am disappointed. You guys know what I'm talking about? It, Isabel knows we, we're, <laughs> Isabel, Isabel and I were not the golden child. I always say that I'm golden child because I was blonde hair and uh, blue eyes. But the reality is, is that Christine actually was the golden child. <laughs> right, Isabel? We know she, she was so, like, she read books, like, in her room on Friday night. I wasn't reading books in my room on Friday night. So we're proud of her. She's great. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's just my works. <laughs> so... So the reality for us here is that we get this opportunity to go, okay, Jesus, fill me, change me, and make me look like you. Better yet, make me you. Transform the very essence of who I am. And make me a son. Make me a son. Show me every area that I act like an orphan. Show me every area of fear that I walk in. Show me every area of lack that I've been convinced of. Show me every limitation that I've bought into. And absolutely crush them. <laughs> absolutely crush them. This is what I pray all the time. People, people really think it's weird. Like I've been through a couple things recently that really like were hard for me. And I was telling somebody, that, I was like, hey, I, I actually really love where I'm at. 
And they laughed at me. I'm like, no, I really do. Like, you don't understand. Like, when it really hurts, I'm excited. When it really, really hurts, like when the season I'm going through really hurts and I don't have any answers, I'm so excited because I know I'm at the end of myself. I know I've met my limit. I know I've, I have no wisdom for this situation. I need to find God. So I get excited because I love to find God. I think that every time I find God, it changes my life. And I know that every new situation, trial, persecution, it literally becomes a catalyst for me to seek God. It's like, whoa, I am jacked up, man. I need Jesus. And so then I actively pursue Jesus every single day. I don't need motivation. I don't need a pep talk when I wake up in the morning. I just think about the busted situation I got myself in. You know what I mean? That's so easy. But I look at broke, busted situations as great catalysts and great encouragements to Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's right around the corner. He's somewhere in there. And once I learn to die in this way, I'm going to find him and I'm going to walk in resurrection life. And I'm going to walk in resurrection power. This is a blessing because I'm learning to love loss of myself so I can gain Christ. This is the journey of intimacy. This is the journey of meekness and humility. It's walking through all of these storm seasons and saying, God, increase my faith. I point to it all the time, but it's because it's powerful. When Jesus was on the boat with the disciples in the storm, they're like, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're dying? And what did he confront? He confronted their lack of faith first. Everybody else would have confronted their fear. Like, bro, chill out. Why are you so afraid right now? I'm Jesus. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been a good Jesus because I would have just always told people, I'm Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we know. You told us yesterday. <laughs> but I'm Jesus. <laughs> I'm Jesus. Uh, he challenged their faith. How many situations do we find ourselves in, trials, persecutions, when we're so busy pointing fingers, defending ourselves, we don't even just take the time to go, God, I lack faith. I could see it. By the way I'm responding right now, I ask for more faith. I ask that you would increase in me. If we can get away from defending ourselves relationally, if we can get away from all of this stuff that is just like self-agenda, you know? You defend yourself when you feel like you need to to survive. But you don't defend yourself when you feel like the whole objective is for you to die and him to be alive in you. You're like, cool, no, I totally agree. That part of me, yeah, I've been trying to, I've been trying to get rid of that too. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this opportunity is I'm just going to yield this to Jesus. I'm going to submit it to him. I'm going to say sorry. I'm sorry that I was that way. I'm sorry that I acted that way. I'm sorry that I talked that way. I'm just going to low, I'm going to make myself real low. And I'm going to wash feet. I'm going to love. I'm going to forgive quickly. I'm not going to hold things against people because I realize that God has called me to be like him, which means that I get to surrender me. What an incredible blessing. What an incredible opportunity to surrender your whole life to God. And uh, how many of you guys seen the movie Shrek? You guys seen this movie? Remember what he said? He's like, o ogres are like onions. Remember this? They have layers. And Donkey's like, you're crazy. 
But this journey with Jesus, it sees us layer by layer yielding to God. Like when you said a salvation prayer, you're like, I give you my life. But then every day after that, you walk your salvation out. You walk out that statement of submission to God every single day. Because you can literally put your old man back on. That's why the Bible says, throw off, put off your old man, your former conduct. Put it off. You have that ability to put it on, like a shirt. Don't put it on. I know that it it has some strength to it. I know that it has some survivability to it. It may even be respectable. But it's not Jesus, so don't put it back on. Don't put that former conduct back on. Choose every single day this life that says, yeah, I give it to you, God, all. I give it all to you today. Walk out your salvation with trembling, with like, I give it all to you, God. I said that when I accepted you into my heart, and I'm saying that again today, and I'm saying it again tomorrow, and I'm saying it again the next day. I'm saying it, and I'm saying it, and I'm saying it. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I can perfectly submit. I can perfectly yield every time I realize I screw it up. So I'm going to choose every single day to yield. I'm going to choose every single day, no matter how great I am or how great I want to be. No matter whether somebody gave me a prophetic word that I'm going to be leading a nation or I'm going to be speaking in stadiums or I'm going to have all kinds of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Milk and honey flowing is really cool. But you know what's even cooler? It's just intimacy with Jesus. The milk and honey, that's to the glory of God. Awesome. Stadiums, awesome, a nation. But you know what, Jesus? You know what my reward is? You. That's it. Do it in me. Root root fear out of me. But I'm looking for you. I'm not looking for this this thing, you know, this pie in the sky. The promised land is cool because he promised it to me. And it's a relational aspect. It's not a reward of striving and performance. It's like, I love you so much. I'm going to bring you to a great place. Yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. I'm going to be like you. Yeah, Jesus. Come on. I love it. I remember this story. Um, my brother-in-law, Levi. This is my brother and sister, by the way. Levi and Isabel. Uh, I was remembering this story. How many years ago when, when God talked to you about the land and re- buying the land? Do you remember like, how many years ago that was? It was like five years ago. So you guys know the recession. Real estate really hit really hard and stuff like that. And, uh, and my, my brother and sister are into real estate. Um, and I remember this one point, this pivot point where Levi was like, I feel like God told me, and it was a scripture and everything, maybe you can give the testimony next week or something. He's like, God told me to buy the land. And he heard this thing from God, and he's just like, I'm going to do it. And now he's seen fruitfulness in it, and I, I just think that there's this thing where God calls us to a place where the surroundings don't make sense to what he's saying, but he's not just thinking about where you're at, he's thinking about where he's taking you. So it's really important that we yield our perspective, even our intelligence and our observations, our rationale. And we say, okay, Jesus, this doesn't really seem rational to me, but I'm going to do what I see you saying. I'm going to lead, be led with full courage. God, I'm going to walk into these places with passion in my heart. Does that make sense, guys? So I believe today that there's an impartation. There's an impartation of courage to walk in humility. It's an impartation of absolute strength of Jesus. You know, it says in the Bible that Christ's strengths are made perfect in my weakness. The anchor to the strength of God is my weakness. The anchor to your next portion in Jesus is your place of lack. But if you don't have the courage to walk into that place, then you're saying no to that next portion. We need the courage to walk into that place of vulnerability, of absolute weakness, and say, okay, Jesus, here I am. 
do a cool new thing inside of me. How many of you guys have seen yourself at that corner where you felt like you, whoa, holy smokes, there's weakness all up inside this thing? How many of you guys? Thank you for joining us on the Mountain Podcast. We hope that this message enlightened and motivated you. To stay connected to the Mountain Church, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under the handle The MTN Church. Tune in next week as we introduce our next series.